Hello and welcome back to Clock and Ball Podcast, a weekly look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. Uh, I'm Jules and I'll be captaining the floundering ship Spurs, trying to navigate us to safety. So I'll introduce you to the motley crew uh, I've assembled for this, this voyage. Uh, on one side, I have my first mate, our present hands on deck, uh, someone who is only mutinous at the topic of penalties and Harry Winks. It's Ash. How you doing, mate? <laughs> Good afternoon, mate. I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, and joining us uh, far overhead, uh, up in up in the pulpit, is is our lookout, uh, pointing out dangerous obstacles and persistently asking why is the rum always gone? Uh, it is Jim. <laughs> How are you, mate? It's true, I do do that. Bit disappointed that you've missed the open goal of not making sh- fuel shortage puns, but you know we can't have it all. <laughs> it doesn't affect you, also. I went down a nautical theme, right? And I'm sticking with it today. <laughs> but you're right, it doesn't affect me because I'm one of those wanker cyclists. So it's not it's not a problem. Um, Emphasis on wanker. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ash, how, how are you doing? How, uh, were you, you at a weekend? Sorry, were you at a wedding this weekend? Yeah, I went to a wedding of a mate with Tom at the weekend and we were quite fortunate to get there, actually. Obviously, we've mentioned the... Uh, the fuel shortage problem and to be fair though it didn't it didn't scare me as much as the first lockdown because we ran out of toilet paper and pasta didn't we and as an Italian with IBS that was <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so early in the pod he's dropped already <laughs> much like too early in the day um did, did Fen do his standard thing whenever there's live music on of just standing there with a beer and then occasionally screaming come on Eileen <laughs> he was he probably spent more time on the dance floor than either the bride or the groom to be fair to him he was loving life okay <laughs> fair enough for Fen. that's a strong that's a strong effort um yeah. meanwhile jim you've been getting into twitter getting into twitter wars is is the best best that i can see for what you've been up to um have i <laughs> <laughs> every every time I refresh Twitter, I see I see you having an argument with another Stockport fan about something different. So it oh, seems like just, it's quite effective. That's just normal service. I, 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 think, <laughs> I think today you had an argument with a guy who was surprised that football fans had an opinion. Oh football. yeah, yeah. Somebody was subtweeting, being like, "Oh, it's amazing." It didn't mention anyone, but it was like, "Oh, it's amazing how many people uh, know things about tactics and and football and sit in the stands and behind computer screens." It's a shame they don't w- all work for football clubs. And I was like, are you, are you having a go at football fans for having opinions about football? Because <laughs> if That's you a... are, you've missed the memo here, mate. Like... <laughs> I, I also think of all the, I don't know, football, like half of enjoying football, I think, is being able to chat about it with your mates and being able to partake in mm. that conversation, having an opinion on it, um, which is which is why we are here. Um, so, yeah, seems a bit odd. But how are you more, more generally, Jim? All, all things well? Yeah, good. Going to uh, going to Wales tomorrow and hoping it's raining less than it has been raining where I am today because I went for a nice little trip to Asda and I came back looking like I'd been for a swim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so that can be good. Won a football match at the weekend. That was nice. Um, I, I've seen all three of our victories this season. So uh, so that was good. Um Otherwise, mm. all happy. Um, I, I did expect I expected Spurs to win two uh, one at weekend because um, 
uh, Spurs results have reflected ours so far this season, uh, and and you know that's involved quite a lot of disappointing three nils. So when we won three nil, <laughs> when we won two one at weekend, I was like, oh, I'm going to win North London derby, and then obviously some things happened, and there you have a really nice segue. <laughs> a really a really lovely segue um, as to how we were sunk 3-1 by Arsenal um, absolutely awful and yeah there's your first nautical pun of the day um, no, Jim you've, you've, you've given me no option here but to talk about something that's been like haunting me for the last 48 hours because my brother's an Arsenal fan mm. my best mate at work is an Arsenal fan and it's just Sounds been like you better friends <laughs> <laughs> and yet I have you lot um, yes. Um, how how did you find it, and did you turn it off? I didn't turn it on, mate. <laughs> I didn't turn it on. I refuse to talk about it now. <laughs> Just find something else to talk about. Well, Seth and R four on on Saturday, Sunday, something else seemed more interesting. Must have happened. <laughs> I've just been watching videos. Yeah, I've just been watching videos of people fighting, waiting to try and get petrol for their car. I just completely ignored football. I just lost all interest in it this weekend. Yes, um, it wasn't good, was it? Um, (laughs) uh, It was. It was one of those one of those games where um, it's quite difficult to dissect because, on one hand, Spurs were really very very bad in a lot of ways um but the thing that makes it quite difficult to work out how bad is arsenal in fairness to them i know we're a spurs podcast but let's let's be be reasonable arsenal were excellent particularly in the first half like really good um i was like where did that come from (laughs) a bit of a surprise because they have been calamitous for what feels like about 15 years now um but they kind of, you know, they just kind of came out at a million miles an hour and had the intensity and um, a kind of wherewithal to make things happen. And, you know, you know, I've kind of looked at a lot of the post-match uh, reaction. A lot of it has been when people say, oh, Spurs went up for it. And uh, uh, they were, there's been some suggestions that they were lazy or not bothered about the game or... Or what, or what have you? And what, what people tend to mean by that is that you know you, you're not getting your second ball, you're not making good decisions, um, you're not kind of you know being pacey and thinking quickly. And Arsenal were doing all of that and made it difficult for Spurs. And by the time Spurs got any kind of, um, I was going to say but any hold. kind, of, I was going to say any kind of hold on the game, but mm. that never really happened. Um, the game's already <laughs> gone. <laughs> Well, I mean, but, it's, yeah. Yeah. we we managed to sort of slow our, our the well the force of gravity, but yeah. it was only branches on the way down to a very hard yes. thump. So it, yeah. it, it wasn't exactly a <laughs> climb; yeah. it was just falling less fast. It was one of those games as well where I know we've talked about it before, and we, we don't kind of want to tactically analyse things to death. But um, if football is a game of controlling space, which I think it is. Um, it's something that Arsenal did very effectively and Spurs didn't do at all for well, a lot of the let, game. Let, let me ask you on that. Um, and this is, this would be, there's two kind of threads, which I think people have gone down um, as they drunk themselves into a stupor very sadly after, after the game, <laughs> yelling at their phones. Um, one is to blame the players 
And as you say, mm. say that they were, you know, um, second to balls and that they kind of copped out and, and didn't do things right. And the other is to call for the head of our manager and say mm. that he fucked up enormously and that it was his tactics. Um, are you going to give me a bit of column A, a bit of column B here? A little bit. It, it's, it needs quite a lot of unpicking, I think. Um, I guess the well, first... I can do it for you quite quickly if you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go, Go for it. <laughs> a mixture of the Tottenham players suffering after well probably before the Champions League of the decline that we saw from Pochettino himself and the players that stuck around from that for whatever reason haven't been able to pick themselves up and give the same level of intensity is what I've just seen that's why we've seen a continuous sort of plateau at best uh, decline at worst since then and then We've brought in two managers, which in their own right, you could argue, obviously, Mourinho's got a fantastic history, but he was not the man to come in for the team that we had at the time and for what we needed. Um, And then Nuno as well. He's proven that he's a perfectly decent manager at at a certain level, but he's just not what we needed at all. And there's a, I don't know, maybe it's just Twitter or, you know, Facebook fans who have a lot to say and not much time to think about it, it seems. Um, but we always seem to want to put blame on one or the other. Mm. It's both. Like, yeah, the players mm. need to be up for the game, but it's the manager's responsibility to not only put in the tactics, but also to motivate them. It's, it's literally what they're paid to do. Mm. Yeah. Think... Sorry, Jim. Go on. Well, I was going to say, the, the first thing is, Calling for a manager to be sacked after six games is mm. a real head loss moment. Like uh, when people say that, I'm like, just just think about what he's saying. Like, At least it's... wait for six days before a final, then <laughs> then sack him. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that quote, Jim, for for the next time that Stockport have about six games in a row. And, and, and... <laughs> well, yeah, but no, but but that's not. I mean, that's not quite the same thing, is it? Because it's it's literally six games under Nuno ever. Mm. Um, you know, Pochettino won two of his first six. He had a really poor start as Spurs manager. Jose yeah, had a really good start. Centimid. Well, yeah. <laughs> Jose had a really good start and won four of his first six. You can't. It's not enough time to get a firm handle on whether things are going to work. And I think you're actually probably right. Nuno probably is going to turn out not to be the right fit. But that's a uh, I think you've got to you've got to give it 10, 15 games before you start thinking about, you know, unless you are literally bottom of the league and can't do anything. But, you mm. know, this, this is a guy that was manager of the month in August. Yeah, you I, know, do, I do find it a slight a slight it, escalation that we managed it's kind, to go from manager yeah. of the month to the Tottenham <laughs> Supporters Trust requesting a statement. Uh, yeah. 28 days. Uh, the guy, look, the guy is very conservative and he would, he probably isn't the right fit for the squad profile, but. Um, and he did say, you know, he did get a lot wrong the other day. And he, he said as much and he had this comment which has been put, picked up on about as, you know, we had a game plan and we didn't execute it. And everybody's gone, well, what was the game plan? I can't work it out. And I just wonder whether what he was actually saying there is I instructed my players to carry out a game plan, which they did not do. And if he said that, that's the same thing that Jose said. It's the same thing that Pochettino was saying beforehand. And a lot of in a lot of cases, it's the same players, which brings us on to, you know, while the players up for it, there's lots of talk that you know a lot of players don't get what the North London derby means, and maybe they don't because 
it's not their club. They are just players, but they do have to take some responsibility for getting themselves up for I these know, I know it's it's only one one player and one example, but I think the only the only person who was yellow carded on the day from Spurs was um, Ollie Skip coming off the bench, and he did look. Even though he only came on for the second half, he brought way more character and intensity to the mm. game than I thought any of the starters did, and he and he gets it, you know. And yeah, yeah going for a fifty-fifty with with Partey, like it's a North London derby. Why are we sort of tiptoeing around? But I completely agree with you. There could be a system. I think um, one of our listeners wrote in Curve and asked, you know, why do we play a 4-1-4-1, which was so open? I don't think it was designed to be open. I don't yeah. think Nuno would have said to Tongi and Dombele and Deli Ali, go stand on the wings and Hoysberg hold fucking hands with the centre-backs and leave this cavernous space in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, so I disagree I, with that a little bit. I, just, I, I think I think he did say that but not for not because he wants to leave an empty space in the middle it's because he's trying to draw out the um arsenal midfield out Mm. of the center so that the attacking three can maybe drop into that and it's a bit more rotational rather than just having that bank of three midfielders be midfielders we've we've seen him do it before for for other clubs and i think i mentioned it when i did the, the sort of preview of nuno before he started i can't remember what the title of the episode was but he likes all his creativity and attacking effort to come out from the whips, whether that be from fullbacks or wingers or from players pulling out there. So it is a game plan of his. It clearly was not executed, probably because mm. our centre-backs aren't fantastic at passing the ball, probably because our midfielders aren't great at the moment. At I don't know. They they, they seem to need a lot of guidance. So Deli Ali, other than making late runs into the box, doesn't seem that intelligent of a player. And Dombele, when the ball isn't at his feet, also doesn't seem that intelligent of a player. And that's why you see us have these empty spaces without the sort of players who have the quality to make the decisions, you know, on their own esteem to go and fill those spaces and move the ball. I think that's the issue. And that's probably why Nuno isn't suited to our team. I think as well, they needed to play better as a unit. If you've got Mm. kind of quite, if you've got three flat banks of players, you have to press as a team yeah. or you have to drop yeah. off as a team. And what was happening a lot on Sunday is that individual players weren't cohesive. One was doing one thing, one was doing another. That's why it, it makes it easy to open space for the opposition then. Like, um, I mean, it, and Dombele was all over the place. Like, and Dombele mm-hmm. was atrocious on Sunday, I, like terribly bad. I, th- I think, Jim, on your point of being all over the place, you know how some coaches, up very old school ones, would have, got players in a back four that they had to like hold a rope together in order to move yeah. across the pitch in a line. <laughs> I feel like Dyer and Sanchez sit on like <laughs> sit sit on like a yo-yo so that if one goes forward the other has to drop back. Yeah. And it's the worst thing in the world. It's like they alternate and like I, I've never seen them hold a straight line. Um yeah. and yeah I just I look at what you need in a big game like that and you know you force the team to go around, not through the middle of the pitch. We vacated the middle and our two centre-backs didn't stand in a straight line. And if that happens, you really are fucked. And I mean, talking about, you know, we left Lloris pretty unprotected and he actually kept us in the game at certain points. It could have been, frankly, worse in that first half. And the other person who looked really unprotected was poor Ledley King, who was put into that Sky Sports <laughs> studio. And poor lad had a, had a, he had as bad a, had a hat to on the team. 
I think awful. he was about to pull the old uh, knee injury just to get out of the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, lads, need to go for a swim here. The old thing's yeah. flaming up. You know, it was it was killer. But Tony Adams, meanwhile, could not look more like someone who was just there for a giggle. Like, mm. like they were they were chalk and cheese in the stadium together, weren't they? Yeah. It's so easy to be a pundit when you're there supporting the team that won. Like, same with, or unless you're Roy Keane in which case it's so easy to be a pundit when the team you want to lose does lose because that just gives him so much ammo but everyone else I don't know I've, I've lost interest in uh yeah in the pundits I, I've always turned it off as soon as the final whistle goes whether we win or lose I just I don't care anymore it's 95 percent of it is bollocks well, yeah <laughs> it's, it's that thing isn't it god go sorry Jim. <laughs> no you go Jim I was going to say it's that thing that I've mentioned it before that that phrase that I've I've nicked um, that uh, without technique was no t- tactics and mm. there was no te- technique so any any kind of game plan you had falls to bits and the problem you have is when a team like Spurs uh, which has flashes of brilliance and can perform for moments in games but not consistently for ninety minutes you've got to have those moments pay off for you. So, and when you're not performing, you know, when things are against you and when you're not performing, those moments will start not going for you. And then you've nothing to fall back on. Like, you know, like Harry Kane had um, had a few decent chances. I, I did see a few people saying, you know, on another day, Spurs could have nicked a point. I, I think they Whisper probably it, could. But, but, you know, on another quietly, day. Whisper it quietly, yeah. but we might have had a penalty as well. <laughs> Seems oh, irrelevant, but we was, should have had a penalty. It was it was a stonewall pen, but at the same time it felt very irrelevant. And I think <laughs> even I was I was listening listening to the opposition today. I, I had listened to Arscast, um, which is annoyingly a good podcast. And and <laughs> you know they they openly admitted, yeah, it's, it's absolutely a penalty. You know, there's there's no doubt. But at the same time, I think we're all in agreement. If Nothing the player's application is that bad, then in a way. You know, even if the manager is, is damned in the long in the long run, there's only so yeah. much he can do. And I mean, Jim, you kind of mentioned a topic I did want to touch on, uh, which is Harry Kane and, and how he played. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we can talk about the immediate game, but the bigger thing that I I felt watching is that Harry Kane is like this this anchor, this fucking weight dragging us down and our like the agenda and all the narrative about the club into constantly a negative place every week all I hear about is his mood his body language whether he has scored or not and it's it's just it's really fucking me off because he hasn't he hasn't addressed it like I I feel like he you know we understand he wanted to go he didn't get to go he never came out and said you know look I'm sorry for X, Y, Z or said, I'm going to push, put that behind me. I'm going to move on from it now. He's, he's leaving it there. And I feel like it's, it must be so destabilizing to a group having this shadow over you where your vice captain and your central star man is like sort of arms crossed at training every day. doesn't want to be there and has this body language. Like, Mm -hmm. am I the only one who's really fucked off with him? Yeah. I thought, you know, we said in summer, didn't we? Uh, when we did a couple of pods that he got to the point where he should have gone mm. and it, it would have been better if he did go and uh, how much of so, it so cowardly now as well no but how yeah. how much of it like we don't we don't see him in training and how much of it is just lazy punditry like it's just so but easy they, to say oh spurs haven't played well when kane haven't scored 
therefore Kane has been shit because he wanted to leave. Like, it's fucking lazy. Like, Kane can't play well in a team that doesn't create for him. For example, when he plays for England and he goes and he doesn't score in a game, it's not because he suddenly doesn't want to play for England anymore. It's probably because he hasn't really had that many chances created for him. Like, although, I'm not, ju- I'm not saying that he doesn't want to play for Spurs anymore. Yeah, I'm not, no, <laughs> my point is, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's amazing, and I'm not, not trying to defend him because there's been an obvious like decline, um, probably because you know he's he's. He didn't have uh, pre-season as well. There's all sorts of things going on. But yeah, I, think that I just think it's just lazy. Probably, probably a big part of it, isn't it? Uh, essentially played two seasons back to back. But uh, I don't know. You, you, I think that I think for, it me, takes for, a brave me, with, for me with Kane, the bigger thing, and, and I, I understand what you mean, Ashley, and we're not down the training ground seeing it, but I think we've mm. all been... You know, we, we all know sort of that colleague at work who's handed in their notice and can't be fucked. And that is very much the mood that Kane gives off. And that does impact a group yeah. that's got to travel, that's got to train together every day. And the only time that we played well, in my view, all season, mm. was the City game when everyone thought Kane was out. Everyone thought we'd be left out of the squad because he was getting that transfer. And yeah. everyone played like the shadow, this weight had been lifted from their shoulders and Son was yeah. great. And we and we recognised it was like, okay, if he's gonna go, fuck it. We're gonna but have to then we leave. played then we played Wolves and we were fucking atrocious and Kane weren't there. <laughs> is it a bit is it well, like a was, at that, at that false point, correlation? He, at that point Kane had said he was gonna stay and he was sat on the bench and it was like, Well actually it's it's become apparent that he is gonna be yeah. around. Like, like we had to only, come on because we were awful. <laughs> yeah, but he was also at that point his kind of you know his very yeah, big just, shadow was kind of leaning back over us. So I just yeah. feel like it's was he, annoying to me that, that, that was he's the, uh, such a big was, present. Was the shadow leaning back into another player to win a foul? <laughs> <laughs> Wee, how long have you waited to crown that one in that game? <laughs> Well, uh, it was obviously, uh, going back to the Arsenal game, it was obviously a, a fucking embarrassment of a performance. And I want to know, what is the most embarrassing thing that you've been part of in a football game? Oh. <laughs> Jules? Um, I would say the most embarrassed I've been was losing 7-2 in a cup semi-final. Was and... Pochettino the manager by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, <laughs> and yeah, being subbed off at half time. And when the manager doesn't even look at you, just subs you off. That's, that's, that's pretty, it's pretty bad. Um, but then again, maybe the most, I don't know, most embarrassed someone else has been of me at football. Jim was there when I, as a oh, coach. Oh, this was going to be mine. <laughs> almost feigned as if I might trip up a player on the pitch. Um because they were breaking up, up up the field and they really didn't want us to lose. So <laughs> to, to put some context into this, uh, me and Tom had to pretend um, that we hadn't seen Jules lunge from the touchline. <laughs> in a, basically, to. Basically a shadow tackle um, <laughs> to put off a winger um, in our first game as a club. And the guy that was captain of the opposition was this really nice guy that we got on with really well. And he was like, he saw exactly what what happened. And was like, <laughs> you know, when he just gives, you know, when somebody gives you a look and you're just like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. And I'm good. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, no, didn't didn't see anything, Gulf. Didn't see anything. And, and the ref comes over and says, 
if you do realize if you did do that i'm gonna have to send you off he's <laughs> just like I didn't do anything i didn't do anything it's like yeah you Look, we Diego, also Diego we Simeone is a winner and sometimes we can all do the channeling a bit of El Cholo um well, that, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of aggression, that sort of brings me to mine. I remember I was playing at centre-back because back then being five foot six at secondary school was actually a decent height for a centre-half. Not so much when you're 27 years old. But anyway, um, I, <laughs> we were playing at a local high school. And in my opinion, the referee failed to see two clear handballs, which <laughs> might shock you because, you know, I never blame refs for anything, right? Anyway, I... Um, I, I had a real ego problem back then. I used to think I was this great big macho hard man. So um, I, I'd lost my shit at this ref. And he basically told me I had to get off the pitch. And so I did. I, I stormed off the pitch. I took off my shirt and threw it at the floor just to look up and see my PE, uh, my PE teacher standing there laughing at me because I completely forgot that I was just wearing a bright yellow, like, wife beater vest underneath. I'm just, like, tucked into my shorts still. Who has have... a bright yellow wife beater, man? It was Dude, awesome. I don't know about you. That's, that's, that, that, is, that is criminal in uh, every sense. Yeah, I'm, emb- I'm embarrassed for you. Um, <laughs> I, um, you remind me of my, probably my most embarrassing personal tale was, uh, anyone that knows me knows that I am visually challenged. And um, we were playing at school, we were playing indoor football on a pitch that had, you know, one of those, um, it was one of those sports halls that had multiple um, pitch markings for different mm. sports, and it just became confusing. There was like there were so many things, and basically for the visually challenged, <laughs> I got really confused about where the edge of my area was, um, oh, no. and got uh, to be fair, I didn't get sent off, but I, I handled the ball outside the area because fuck knows where the edge of the area was. <laughs> Turned out I was outside it, um, but then. What's weird is when I think about it, right? I got a yellow card, but then also conceded a penalty. And I was like, those two things don't seem to really add up, do they? Well, I was like, well, surely if I'm outside the area, <laughs> <laughs> like somebody's not thought they th- I saved the penalty anyway, so it ended up okay, but still. <laughs> Jim, Jim, the Stockport cat in goal um, back in the day, clearly. Um, well, we, look, I mean, as you say, Ash. A bad day at the office. Um, I mean, worse than that, the office fucking burnt down. It was it was a grim day. Um, none of in fairness, for balance, um, in fairness, Spurs' record at the Emirates is dismal anyway. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I that mean, helps, Jim. <laughs> all that says is that we've been consistently shit. But that was probably yeah. the most the most embarrassed I've been watching mm. Spurs for a long time. I thought we got absolutely battered and. I think it's posed us some really troubling questions about the individual players that we've got and the lack of strategy and cohesiveness that's led us to this position over the last three, four years, which we've been, you know, talked about many times. And the manager who I think none of us really feel any sort of strong sense of of, of support for. Um, And I guess, you know, on top of mutiny, um, Ash, how serious do you think the new the Nuno out brigade is? I don't know. No Tottenham fan is happy if they haven't got something to moan about, are they? It just seems to be ingrained in our culture. It's like Jim said earlier. It's six games. I'm not. I don't think he's going to be 
our greatest manager of all time. I don't think it's going to work. But it's been six games. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Let's see where we are sort of mid, mid-November. And I, and I guess, Jim, my counter to that, because I, I would say if something's wrong, better to fix it quick than let it, let it simmer, is that after six games, we are 20th in the Premier League for shots, for chances, for XG and for distance mm. covered. I would say that's about as, that's about as shambolic a set of stats as you could have. And, you know, individual results it is one way or another, but, it but is, that's but, an underlying um, problem. It is, yeah, but you've got nine points on the board. So uh, I would rather be 10th on points and bottom on XG than 10th on XG and bottom on points. OK, well, so, and, well stri- strip out XG. What about shots and distance? Oh, yeah, no, it's not good. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's good, but the fact that it's not good and you've still won three out of six suggests it's not hopeless. I mean, look, th- uh, you're averaging a point and a half a game, so that's, what, 57 points over the course of the season, which in a normal season would see you finish somewhere between 7th and ninth, which is about where Spurs are, I think, anyway. To be blunt. Wow, that is depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was brutal, but you know. I, mean, I, mean, I call it as I sees it. You call it as you see it. I, I, I just feel like, I, I think, you know, results can, you, you can be unlucky with results or lucky with them, but those underlying metrics suggest we're going very much in the wrong direction yeah and our next our next five games are villa newcastle west ham united and everton and right now i'd say we have a chance in one of those games and that if if we if we in you know at 11 games of the season if we're on i don't know four wins two losses sorry four wins two draws five losses at what point does this Nuno out brigade start to, you know, pick yeah. up some momentum? Obviously, if that's the case, like you want a new manager in before by Christmas, you want a new manager in before the new transfer window, so that if you can get a player or two in, it's the right, it's the right one for that manager and those tactics. But that's I think that's still a bit hyperbolic, or not hyperbolic, it's a bit hypothetical at the moment. So you just got to wait and see and. A lot of these, like like Jim said, like Pochettino, the first games were fucking atrocious. And there was a lot of the same voices then saying Poch out as there are now saying Nuno out. So let's, I don't think he's the same level of manager, but let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and at least give him a chance to overcome what is really the only bad period so far in his tenure. I know it's early on, but let's see. Come back to it in another six games. <laughs> well, in which case, let's let's move on to some hopefully more positive scenes. Um, Jim, what's on the on the horizon? Um, you know, on Thursday we've got we've got our Europa Conference League. Um, yes. What can you tell us about the opposition? NS Lucas Mora. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're a Slovenian team, um, only founded in 2012. Apparently, very young club, uh, founded in May 2012 when Rita, Rita Ora was top of the league with R, uh, top of the league, top of the charts with RIP. <laughs> I mean, she might, she might have been because she played front. <laughs> <laughs> she probably do a better job. Um, so I've had a look at their squad, and I don't know whether there's some kind of like metaphorical iron curtain around, um, like <laughs> finding anything about the Slovenian league, but I, I can see that they've got a very young squad, uh, quite a small one. And 
I don't recognise any of the players. I can't see anybody that's done anything notable. But what I did notice is that the squad numbers are infuriating. <laughs> like Atalanta levels. Yeah. So you know when you know when Burnley did that thing where it's the first team for ages to have one to eleven on the pitch. Well, be satisfying. Mora's number two is a striker. <laughs> Uh, and in their match day squad, they also have numbers 69, who are 77 and 90. Um, <laughs> uh, their European record, surprisingly, isn't that bad. Um, played 14, won five, drawn two. So they've not lost half. And for a team that none of us had heard of a couple of weeks ago, you know, fair enough. They did lose their opening game 2-0 at Vitesse, so I'd expect... Um, Supposed to win it's, this pretty comfortably, but um, they're from a place called Murska Sabota in northeastern Slovenia, pretty much slap bang in the middle of uh, the European Union. Remember that? Um, <laughs> apparently, its name comes from holding a market on a Saturday because uh, that's what they used to do, and it was once the uh, most northernmost town, Yugoslavia, uh, it was the site of a ten-day war between Slovenia and what was left of Yugoslavia in 1991. Um, and it looks quite nice. Uh, it uh, looks like it's got some nice architecture, some nice Slovenian cuisine. In December, it looks perhaps not as... Sorry, strong. can we just pause yeah. it for one sec? What the fuck is Slovenian cuisine? Oh, <laughs> so... Basically meat and potatoes. Uh, I mean, isn't, I mean isn't, that, isn't that just like the most generic... I, I'm not, I don't count that as cuisine. That's just like what a lot of the world tends to eat if that's what they've got available. Like well, meat, it's saying meat and potatoes is my cuisine. It's a bit, it's a bit so, generic. I'll tell you what, we'll do, I'll tell you what, we'll do, you a, we'll do a, on the return leg, we'll do a Slovenian speciality segment. We could easily you, have a spin-off podcast where we we'll just do that talk about cuisine away, yeah. from around yeah, the world, can't exactly. we? We've done the French, now we've done the Slovenian. Exactly. I was just, I was just intrigued as to what was the classic dish. And, and equally, Jim, on your, your, on your point about the numbers, um, I'm a centre mid currently wearing the number seven for the season. So how annoying is that to you? What the fuck? Why? Well, because eight and five are taken by two <laughs> centre backs. Fair. We, all, That's, we, I mean, also play, we also play a back three system. So so the numbers are already thrown all over the place. Yeah, it's not I as annoying as being, it's not, do you remember that guy? Uh, I can't remember what he was called. There was a guy that had number zero at uni. Told you all you need to know about him, to be honest. Um, anyway, you interrupted my flow. It was very rude of you. In December, the town of Murska Sabota gets an average of 57 hours of sunshine in the month. <laughs> so that sounds nice. Um, wow. Let's not do that away trip, lads. That's, so, that's, that's not the one to go on. <laughs> so here you go. Um, Murska Sabota is twinned with six towns across the world. One of them is Bethlehem, not that one. It's an imitation in Pennsylvania, USA. One of them is the German town of Ingolstadt, famous as the home of what, Jules? I don't know. Uh, Football team. That's what I know. Um, you had four options and you failed. Frankenstein, Ingolstadt. Audi. Okay. Uh, the Illuminati. Of <laughs> and Airbus. But anyway, this got me thinking. Airbus. Sorry, Airbus. You, you, yeah. you put Airbus in with those other three. I mean, not as not as noticeable as as Audi, <laughs> but you know. 
small Bavarian town. How much do you want? Jesus. <laughs> Someone who writes Adidas writes a fucking lot. So this got me thinking, right? So Tottenham obviously isn't its own town. Harringay is twinned with a few places, including Koblenz in Germany, which is really nice until there's floods happened. But if Tottenham were to be twinned with somewhere, where would it be, Ash, and why? Uh, well, there's a place in America called Intercourse, and <laughs> Tottenham seems to fuck us over pretty regularly, so that <laughs> seems appropriate. How did you find that? I think it was in a Top Gear. Don't judge me. Yes, I know. <laughs> Jules? Um, I would say Tottenham would be twinned with Orchard Park uh, in, in New York. Um, and the reason for that is that Orchard Park uh, is where Buffalo Bills are based, if you know the NFL team. And to give you an idea, they are known as the NFL's greatest chokers. So they won their first titles in the 60s, same as, same as us. <laughs> And then since then, they have been sort of the, the epitome of, of how to nearly get there and then fuck up. They've got the only record of four consecutive Super Bowls, but also four consecutive Super Bowl losses in the <laughs> 90s. But they also endured the longest playoff drought of any NFL, NBA or MLS team in US history. Nice. By that logic, we could be uh, twinned with Stockport then, couldn't we? Oh, there it is. In fairness, <laughs> we've won more league titles in my lifetime than your lot. Um, I went on a similar theme, Jules. Snake. Um, <laughs> Great minds think alike. You know this. So the Chinese town of or city of Harbin, uh, because China is the world's largest producer of plastic bottles. And the biggest plastic bottle producing company in the world is based in Harbin. Ouch. So <laughs> I like it. I'm not going to lie. He's he's gone on a suitable tangent and he's come out with a winner. Oh, um, you could just. I, I mean, you could just play it simpler and just go with Everton, couldn't you? Yeah. Our northern brothers in arms. Um, <laughs> before before we move on from and thank you for the for the very detailed uh, preview there, Jim. Um, before we move on, Ash, if you could get tickets to this game. Would you actually like to go? No. And I think not that because right not, there, I'm sure. Summarising <laughs> why this tournament is fucking shit. Because if you offered Ash a free ticket, he wouldn't even go. Oh, I'm sure it's a lovely place. I just don't want to go, however many thousand miles. To oh, is it what? Like top, 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 top. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Even still, I don't want to go all the way into N17 just to watch us lose. I'd rather do it from the cover of my sofa where I can stick my head in a pillow and cry. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, go for We're it. still Ash. talking about the that... football? Or... Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the reality is we all know this is a way to plump our numbers and stats for the season uh, yeah. before we lose to Jose's Roma in the final. So it will be what it will be. But much more importantly, we then have uh, Aston Villa um coming coming to town on on sunday um ash how worried are you about villa they've just beaten united looking like a pretty good side this season uh i don't know how to describe how worried i am about this <laughs> like you know remember when i mentioned earlier that in the first lockdown we ran out of toilet paper and i've got ibs I'm yeah. about that worried. <laughs> <laughs> impending, impending doom is what you're, is yeah. what you're referring to. 
<laughs> your tea towel is looking at you ominously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as for yeah. the teddies on the bed, well, oh. <laughs> um, so, what are you, are you not? I mean, I'm pretty worried about them because I think that they do all the things well that this Tottenham team is particularly culpable of not doing. They're, they're a hard-running team. They compete aggressively all over the pitch. They they press well as a unit. So I'm quite worried on that basis. Um, the one thing I, I would say is I've also got a lot of time for Emmy Martinez after his mind games at the weekend. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, yeah. pointing pointing at Ronaldo and saying, I want you to take it, not, not Fernandez, <laughs> and watching him spank it over the bar. Um, is are they one of the, the kind of the great shithousing enjoyments of the Premier League at the moment? I think they're they're a lot of fun, aren't they? Great fun. Yeah, they're not shithouses at all. I, don't, I mean, that was a great act of shithousery, but they're not. <laughs> How many acts of shithousery do you have to commit before you are a shithouse? Well, I mean, just like Burn- for a friend. Burnley is the shithouse club, isn't it, in every sense. Um, Villa play nice football in a nice way. They've built nicely. They've lost, they've done what Spurs should have done. They've lost their best player, reinvested the money really well and look a stronger unit for it. Um, And they have really successfully managed to re-establish themselves as the club that they were sort of 10, 12 years ago under Martin O'Neill before it all went wrong for them. So Can we not forget that they should have been relegated if it weren't for a a dodgy switch on the line technology? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's only Villa. I think. No, no, let's not let them forget this because <laughs> I'll hold everything against everyone. They, oh, we they should be this. down. <laughs> we are aware at this point. Um, <laughs> Jim, you mentioned there about how they rebuilt really successfully. Um, do you think as well, Christian Perso will presumably be coming to town to to have a corporate box for the game? <laughs> Um, I remember you were very impressed by him uh, yeah. with the Jack Greeder situation in the summer. Um, if you could switch him for Daniel Levy, would you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Even, Levy, if it means we ho- even if it means we host less Anthony Joshua underwhelming fights. Levy strikes, he strikes me, Levy strikes me as the kind of guy that knows the cost of everything and the value of nothing. Um, oh. You know, it's like he consistently like he's done a lot of good things at Spurs he's got a lot wrong Mm. um he spends a lot of money rectifying his own mistakes and doesn't I think the thing that would annoy me most about him is that he doesn't sell players when he should sell players Mm. um until they've gone well beyond peak value like you're not going to get anything like 150 million for Kane next year uh, to be fair, apparently one and what offered anything like that this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you know, but take yeah, just yeah, no. He's, I mean, look, he's done. It depends on your perspective, doesn't it? He's he's yeah. done some good stuff. He's built a Journey, stadium, but yeah, it's just a, it's just a. Well, that's it. The, the thing is with Levy, just just quickly uh, on Enoch out as well, and and all that charting. I'm not necessarily Enoch in or a Levy lover or whatever you want to call me but uh, number one there are so many worse owners out there and I'm shit scared of what might come if he moves on and uh, secondly because of the infrastructure that he's built as much as everyone cries oh it's only for Enoch's pockets because of that infrastructure (laughs) 
is that your imitation of gammons across the internet yeah yeah <laughs> and i don't know if you can see how red my face is but i, I try to pull that off as well but Suitably the point is to <laughs> yeah. Audio listening fans, yeah yeah and we, we're shit now but because of that infrastructure we're more likely to be able to bounce back than if we didn't that's yeah. my point so I mean, worth remembering villa were a basket case for a long time before mm. they became good again and then tottenham tried to get Grealish and uh seem to heal all their woes. Obviously, Dr. Tottenham just popped up once again. <laughs> As we always do. I think I think my, my favourite Daniel Levy story, just to wrap him up as a topic, is apparently um, when Sir Alex Ferguson was negotiating with him for, uh, for Berbatov, um, Ferguson came out with probably my favourite ever insult slash line about someone across, across a negotiating table. Um, I've met some hard-boiled eggs in my time, but you're 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favourites because we all we all get it, we all get it. Yeah. But it's not even that bad. Um, well, look, let's 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 wrap up on on Villa then. So, I mean, I I personally think we're in for a for for a bad day on Sunday, but our only hope is to get behind their fullback. So, I actually think uh, are okay, but aren't aren't the best. I think um, Moore and Brian Hill would be good players to go up against cash and target but that would be if we paid with any width which seems unlikely um jim what do you think the score would be villa um one all i was gonna go with one all as well um and i still will because you know peer pressure but uh, (laughs) (laughs) i don't think we can be as bad as we were against arsenal and there's, there's got to be I'd need, I'd need to believe that there's going to be some sort of reaction because otherwise I just I don't know what I'd do with myself. I'm afraid I'm afraid Ash I'm predicting you know we've done three of them in a row. Don't see why it wouldn't be four. I'm <laughs> going to say it's going to be three nil to Villa. I, I think they're a, they're a very good team and they're going to they're going to roll us over and tickle oh. our bellies. Um, so a sad a sad way to to leave our predictions but let's hope that i'm wrong and i'm being unnecessarily negative and we can all get back on on board next week you can mutiny you can chuck me overboard and pick pick back up with fen as a more i was going to say at this point in. if anyone's seen the bbc drama vigil uh, <laughs> <laughs> premonition, premonition is, is is what jim's trying to say here um so before i get chucked overboard we'll uh, we'll call it there um, as always, you can follow us at, at Cock and Ball Pod uh, and on on the Instagram. Um, also, please pass the pod. Um, we love what we do, and for all of the Spurs fans out there, we all know you're having a tough old time watching us lose three 0 each week. So, if nothing else, um, share a laugh with the mate, spread the word. Uh, and otherwise, thanks for listening. Thank you for for joining us, uh, Ash and Jim. Toodles. And thanks, for a, have, <laughs> thank, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And in a in a very uh, Roger Moore style, enjoy the bond film of the weekend. See you next time.